Well, I know Jerry has faith because every time he says, please be seated, he's assuming that I'm not going to be seated. But it is faith that we need to have, but it is a proper faith that we need to have. There are many in the world who claim to have faith in God, but who do not really believe what God has to say. And we need to be reminded of our responsibility that is ours. We live in a world and we're influenced by those that we, that are family, that are friends, associates, and we always are people who are influenced, and ours is be sure that we're influenced in the right direction. Because many want to mislead, and there's a danger there. Paul, as he was writing to the Romans, and in the 10th chapter of that book, starting in verse 11, Romans 10 and verse 11 and following. For the scriptures say, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not all heard? Yes, indeed. For the sound has gone out to all the earth, and the words to the end ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel not know? First Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But, but Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But Isaiah, but to Isaiah he says, all day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Again, I'm amazed at the patience and the love and the forbearance that God has for his created beings. Of how much he's worked with them, provided for them, clearly demonstrated who he is, and yet Israel would time and time again fall back into idolatry. 
He would remind them there'd come a time when those who hadn't even sought the Lord would hear him. He's talking about the Gentiles. There's going to come a time when those Gentiles, whom you have despised and looked down upon, will hear the message and they will respond to it. We live in a land in which we believe that because we have Bibles, that we are okay. And because we can have them in our homes, we are okay. I get notices periodically about different Bibles that are available. Most of them are out of my price range, but I hear about them anyway. But it's interesting to hear those who are putting them out make the comment. This would be a huge thing. I've got one in my office you want to look at. It. A huge one. He says, this is good to or to display on your coffee table. Not that you're going to read it, but that you have it and you can display it on your coffee table for those who go, ooh, and ah, wow, that's nice. Where'd you get that from? And uh, we're not careful. We can believe that our association with or familiarity to God's Word is sufficient. And we don't, and we forget that there's more to having faith in God. There's more to being acceptable with God than simply our association with God's Word and a brief knowledge of who He is so that we can say, yes, I, I believe that God is. The Hebrew writer in the 11th chapter in verse 6 Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For He who comes to God must believe that he is. And that's the end of the verse, correct? No, that's not the end of the verse. There are many who will just stop there. Unless you you got to have faith, faith you've got to believe that he is. And they forget the rest of it. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. They've given effort. They've given conscious decisions to seek out who is this God? Who is the Lord? And why is it that I need to listen to him and to follow him and to be willing to do his word? Paul, as he was writing to the Ephesians in the second chapter of that book and in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God that we have. As you read through scriptures or as you look at life, you can find that faith is defined in a number of different ways. And ours is to find the proper application of what faith is and how it applies to us and to be sure that it is a proper faith that we are accepting and that we are believing, a proper faith that we are willing and are going to base and stake our soul's salvation upon. 
We know very well from Matthew 7, 21 through 23, that not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to go to heaven. They'll go on to say there are going to be those who have claimed to have done marvelous works in his name. And he's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I cannot imagine a greater shock in the day of judgment than that. Those who have done evil, they really don't care. They don't care about their destiny. They don't even want to consider it. But those who have a knowledge of God's word, those who claim a relationship with God and then will not do his word and yet believe that they are, to hear those words by the master, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. They're thinking they're right. They're thinking salvation is theirs. And then to hear those words, depart from me. And if you're departing from God in the day of judgment, there's only one place that you're departing to. And that's going to be a shock. Part of as we read in various scriptures of the, the horrors of hell, is that of remembrance. Abraham telling the rich man, you remember when you were on the earth? Do you remember that? Do you remember that opportunity that was laid before you and you didn't use it? And there's no relief. There are those who have a faith that is simply belief, but not a saving faith. It's not a faith that they have to want to please God. James reminds us in James 2.19 that the devils believe and they tremble. That's an amazing passage as well. I mean, you think about it. The devils, the demons, those that know their destiny, as they would tell Jesus, have you come to torment us what? Before our time. They already know where they're going. They already know that he is the Holy One. But that does not save. And there are those in our world that believe that as long as you say Jesus is out there, yes, he's there. But do not act upon it. And do not follow what he has to say. That destiny is there. Sometimes the word faith is referring to the whole system of belief. Jude reminds us in Jude 3 that we ought to contend earnestly for what? The faith. How many times was it given? Given once among men by which we must be saved. Contend, search diligently, defend 
earnestly the faith. There is a system called the faith. Ours is to find out what it is. Because again, the thought again is sobering, if you will. From Matthew 7, 21 through 23. From other passages, it's a sobering thought to think that you can live your life thinking you're right and find out that you're wrong. But by the time you find out that you're wrong, it's too late. So to give diligence here, I want to know what God says. And you're not to believe it just because I say it. You have to got to you have to want to know what is it that God says I need to do. We know the familiar passage that the world loves to quote from time to time is John 3:16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. But what is involved in that? Because we already read, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven. So what makes the distinction between this one here that says, I believe, and I'm going to heaven, and another one says, I believe, and you're not going to heaven? I would want to know what the distinction is. What type of line is being drawn there? Because there is a line drawn there. And it's interesting in the world in which, religious world in which we live, Again, there's not a religious body that, that does not believe that there is a line of separation between the lost and the saved. They all believe that. They're just not in agreement on where that line is. And they're not in agreement on who draws the line. And they're not in agreement on how strict is that line. I've often said at times, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's not me who draws the line. I said, if I had a line, I'd, I'd have a wavy line. You know, I'd be coming down there and say, oh, you're, you're not, well, I'm not accepting you. You're pretty good, I'll include you. And it'd be a wavy line. And it would depend on how I thought of you at the particular moment. I could change my mind. No, I'm not the judge. You're saying I'm going to hell. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you need to read the Bible. You need to read what God has said. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You need to read what God has said. Why would he say that? What is it based upon? And how do we change it in our lives so that not be applicable to us along the way? It has to become a personal faith. It's not what I've inherited. And in inheriting a faith from the family may be good and it may be bad. Again, it's an individual. Nobody's going in on the court, the, the, the coattails of somebody else. Your wife's not taking you to heaven, your husband's not taking you to heaven, your kids are not taking you to heaven. And the parents are not taking the kids to heaven. It's an individuality that you choose. And we just don't like it. Well, what if 
you know, if I'm saying that what my mom and dad believed is wrong and they're, headed, and they're destined for hell, I'm condemned them. I did not condemn them. They made a choice. Just as I make a choice. And the rich man, again, what was his concern? He already knew where he was. And he already knew his family. He says, I've got five brethren back there. And, I, and it's not in the text, but it's implied. And they think exactly like I think. Please send somebody back there to tell them to change. Those who have lost their lives, you know, you hear them say every once in a while, I've heard people say it, you know, if my mom, mom and dad in hell, then I want to be in hell with them. And I'm saying, no, your mom and dad, if, they're, if that's where they're at, that's the last place they ever want to see you. They do not want to see you there at all. And we have to work through that sometimes. We get to do it in all kinds of aspects of our life. We do things along the line. I mentioned at times that my mom's desire for me was that I'd be a teacher. I, my time at the time when she told me that was a fact, and all, I'd be happy being a ditch digger. Because being a teacher is going to require some work. It's sad to say that she never got to see me be the teacher <laughs> that she wanted me to be. And I'm glad I didn't get to be the ditch digger that I wanted to be. <laughs> I said, it's just, we have to understand. We make decisions in the physical realm that are not always in agreement with what family thinks or what family wants to do. And we tell each one, you're, you stand on your own. What you brought up to do is stand on your own. I won't bring in politics at all because that's another can of worms that we don't want to touch. But simply saying, you choose I may be a child of God, or you may be a child of God because your parents were children of God. That's great. But you may be a child of God and your parents or your family were not children of God, and that's great as well. It's an individual choice that we make along the way. We are expected to make choices and decisions along the way. And to do the things that would be pleasing in the eyes of God. Prime example that we have is the Apostle Paul. Well, Saul of Tarsus. Where is it his faith come by? On God, but his, it was his heritage, was it not? He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, the strictest of all the sects. Far excelled anybody of his contemporaries. Lived his life in conscience, pure conscience. Had not violated his conscience at all. Even while he was murdering Christians, he was doing it with a good conscience that he was serving God. But what did he find out? There was another way that God had planned. And he made the choice. And when he made the choice, he was despised by his countrymen. He was rejected by his countrymen. They sought to take his life, the Jews, because he was going contrary to what they believed he was trained up to be and trained up to do. You can have an indoctrinated faith. 
That's the faith that you've been taught. You know, you've been taught down through the years. Here's the teaching. This is what you believe and so on and so forth. And again, it's the same thing. It can be good or it can be bad. But again, you're going to have to make the choice as you're looking for this faith. Faith comes by what? By hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. That's what our faith is based upon. And we need to be like those in Berea in Acts 17 and verse 11. That they were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. So he has to be a reference to some Jews in long line. And that they searched the scriptures daily. Those Jews had the scriptures. And they had to search them daily. They wanted to, to make sure these things were so. You're telling me that this man Jesus, who was born in Nazareth, is the Messiah that Isaiah was prophesying about. How do you know that? So they'd have to go back and search. And you need to remind yourselves, as they went back in their scriptures and they searched them out, they did not have a concordance. And they did not have a phone that says, type in the word faith, and then they give you the scriptures that list all that that you can go search for. Not only that, they did not have chapters and verses. And they did not have any divisions in the, any of the words that they were reading and searching. So how diligent were those in Berea? Why? Why were they that diligent? Because their soul's salvation depended upon them doing what was right. How committed were they to that? They did it on a daily basis. James reminds us that our life, our life is a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And you've heard me mention that before. I mean, I don't know about you, but <laughs> that causes me to shudder. That in this vapor that's here for a moment and gone, in that vapor, I determine where I will be eternally. How serious is it? How serious is it? And when I understand the, the frailty of the mind, no comments necessary, when I understand the frailty of the mind and the ability to make mistakes and the ability to draw wrong conclusions, I am determining where I will be eternally. That's serious. And I'm given a short period of time in which to do that. A physical life, however long it may be, it's a short period of time. And I'm going to determine where I'll be eternally. You better give it some serious consideration. To be like those Bereans, I'm not taking your word for it. I'm going back here and look. I want to know what's there. I'm, we are fortunate in that we do have the Scriptures, the New Testament, that give us that application. Here is what Isaiah was saying. Thank you, because I've read some of Isaiah, and some of his is hard to understand. 
But here's what Isaiah was saying. And here's what Moses was prophesying about. And this is what Moses was saying. As Israel wandered in the wilderness out of 1 Corinthians 10, and there was a rock that followed them. Because what did they, how did they get the water? They struck a, a rock. Paul says that rock that followed them was, was Christ. So who was giving them the water for life? Christ was. Well, you wouldn't necessarily draw that out of as you was reading that account in the Old Testament. But the scriptures are helping us to have a better understanding of that. Of what's involved. And how it applies. Then how that applies to us. And to be reminded ourselves as we, as we did, as we closed out the Wednesday night study on, on Genesis. How many of God's people have we looked at in, in our study on Genesis? Of God's faithful people who had ups and downs in their faith who believed God and then would turn around and do something absolutely foolish and then come back and believe God and serve God. I'm grateful that my life is not dependent upon one circumstance within my life. And we ought to be grateful for each one of us that that's the case. That we don't have that yeah, I remember what you did 10 years ago. I remember the words that you said. And I, rem- I remember the emotion in which you said it. Wow. And you're asking God to forgive you for what you've done, what you said. And you will not forgive another. Consequences. We need to have this faith. That will keep us where we need to be. And that's what God's word does for us, is it not? Gives us the faith that we need or the conviction or the understanding of what it is that God would want us to do. There are many who were striving to do what was right, what was wrong, what they did. Go back to the beginning of chapter 10 of Romans. Brethren, my heart's desire in prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They have the zeal, but it's not in accordance with knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, in seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the to the have not submitted to the righteousness of God not knowing God's righteousness how would they not know because they're not studying they're not wanting to know what it says what is it that God has said well I got one verse and that's the only verse I really need and I'm staking my salvation on one verse If one verse was all that was necessary for salvation, what? That's all you'd have. You just have one verse. Just do this and you got it. It's not just one verse. God gave us, God gave us His Word, 
what we call the Bible. And it's not one verse. So it's taken the totality of what God has said. We can, we can find that out by just looking at the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. When Satan was tempting Jesus, Jesus also said, but it is also written. You don't take one verse and say, here's what it says. You have to realize what it says in all the verses. And that, and that takes time. Why the Bereans, again, were searching those scriptures daily, wanting to make sure that what they were doing was right. Remind yourselves, the Bereans were just human beings like you and I. The Bereans were living in a world that is just as real, that was just as real to them as the world is to us. They were living in a world in which they had problems and blessings and happiness and disappointments just as we do. They lived in a world in which they had to work to make a living. Sometimes that living that they made was as slaves. And life wasn't pleasant to them. But they, in light of all of that, they chose to spend time studying God's Word so that they can do the things that were right in His eyes. We have to have a type of questioning faith. Why do we do it? Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we gather together? Why do we assemble? Why do we have preaching? Why do we have the Lord's Supper? Why do we have giving? Is it just because we've always done that? Where are the scriptures for that? That answers a lot of questions. And a lot of a lot of things that I hear in the brotherhood. It seems to me that many of them and most of them that I've read about, heard about, talked about, have forgotten Matthew 28, 20. They really have. Jesus says, you teach them to observe all things that I have commanded. That's what he says for us to do. Our job is to find out what he has commanded. What they say is, well, the Bible does not forbid it. So as long as the Bible does not forbid it, I'm free to do it. Where do you read that in God's Word? That you can do whatever it is that God says you cannot do. The Bible says you do all things that I have commanded you, and you are my disciples. Wow. Easy. Makes it easier. Here's what I do. This is why I gather around the Lord's table. Because that's what Jesus said to do. Do this in remembrance of me. Why would we not want to do what Jesus said to do? Or think it was un, 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 if not necessary or unimportant? Or I can only do it, only need to do it once a year and that time's coming up soon or whatever it is. But they still do not remember or they choose not to remember the Lord as the Lord said to remember him. They want to celebrate his resurrection as a way of remembering him. Jesus says, you do this. You partake of the Lord's Supper in remembrance of me. This is how you remember me. Do it his way. This you saw. But we have to read why. Why do we do it this way? Because that's what the Bible says. How do we know that's what the Bible says? We've been searching it out. We've been reading it and studying it. We're not perfect, but we're striving to, to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Second Peter 3 and verse 18. 
want to do his will, want to do the things that would be pleasing and acceptable in his sight. The question is, will we? Will we do his will? Is our faith established in God's word? Can your faith be shaken? If established in God's word, if this is where I stand, I stand upon the word of God. And I'm not being moved from that. It has been proven to be true. It's been attacked ever since it was made, spoken, but it still stands. I want to know what he says. I want to know why God so loved me that he sent his son to die for me. Why? What is it about me, humanity? What is it about me that would cause God to do that? And if he was willing to do that, How could I not love him? And how could I not want to do his will? He only wants my salvation. And that's what he wants from us tonight, our salvation. He wants us to have that home with him in heaven. You decide whether that will be a reality or not. Almost persuaded. And again, that is a terrifying song, is it not? Almost persuaded, but lost. Don't let that, do not let that be the case with you or with me. Let's encourage one another, let's help each other so that we can be fully persuaded so that heaven is home. If you need to make a change in your life this evening, if we could assist you and we could help you, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.